0: Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you will get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Episode 76, the Pilot Boys are in the building. Got some fun things to talk about. You know, one story that's particularly sad. But also a great deep dive topic uh, that is a carryover from an extensive conversation uh, Partha and I had last uh, last Friday, I believe, uh, post show.
1: Dude, I can't even like, I can't even remember what was on the phone with you versus what's on the podcast because it blends together so much. I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's, crazy. it's crazy.
0: Just gotta, just gotta keep. Uh, Keep talking, man. Once you, when you, when you build chemistry and you talk to people, and I I guess this is a pointer for people who are in business together or work together, talk to each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's just, that, that is what's going to build your chemistry more than anything is to have real authentic conversations when the camera's on, the camera's off, when you're in the boardroom or you're out of the boardroom, just talk and communicate with your people.
1: Yeah. And you know, like that, that comes from putting the phone down sometimes and just like, just like having a conversation or if you call someone just like not doing other stuff while you talk to them
0: exactly it's goofy
1: but like these days man like you call people and partway through they just trail off and you're like are you looking at a text like and i know i'm guilty of it too by the way but it's it's crazy how we have so much trouble like staying present
0: it is man it's almost it's it's Impossible. The system almost makes it impossible, right? Like (laughs) you,
1: you have your phone. I wouldn't even say the system, bro. I would say we make it impossible. We do, but these, uh,
0: Apple doesn't make it easier for us, right? No,
1: they're trying to make it harder, but we buy (laughs) Apple products. So
0: we buy into it. So I guess we like, like we're funding
1: the system.
0: None of us like to be present.
1: Yeah. Like. And the worst part is we fund it with money we don't have. Everyone's <laughs> phone's on a loan.
0: I know, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't whatever make it they tell fun. us to pay, I, I was going, I went to the store over the weekend to get my mom a new phone. And it was just like, this doesn't make sense for what she uses the, the phone for. First of all, their phone was defective. The phone just <laughs> stopped working, stopped turning on. She has a seven plus, which isn't much That's more than she needs. So
1: old too yeah but you yeah know, they don't
0: they don't they don't You need gotta it. hit
1: them with the uh flip bro
0: and so we went to the 12 <laughs> and they're like I'm like how much is it they're like eleven hundred dollars i'm like eleven hundred dollars they just we just pay whatever they tell us to pay for these things yeah these days yeah that's how it goes
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man but let's 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 get into this man the hell yeah um the first story i, I want to talk about um as you know, look at your assistant delivering you. drinks.
1: Uh, it's actually Nevin. You want to sneak on the mic and say, what up, Nevin? A future guest for the Pilot Boys. What up, Doug?
0: What up, man? How are you doing?
1: He's doing good. He's in a matching, sick matching, like, Japanese-inspired oh, you know, that's some grip and, right there. Yeah, it's pretty sick, man.
0: That's some grip.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. Nevin has been so kind to bring me a coffee this morning.
0: Nice. All right. Natural pick me ups.
1: So you want to get into this uh this news v? Let's
0: get into it, man. I don't even want
1: to say the headline. It's so sad.
0: Yeah, man. This uh this this situation with DMX is a is a tough one for anyone who's a a hip hop fan, especially someone who grew up in the in the nineties and two thousands. DMX is means a lot to people he's much more than a musician um we learn so much from him he's like a a, a street philosopher yeah of sorts he's deeply spiritual um he always drops wisdom that can relate to a wide range of people um and just has also been very honest and open with the struggles um that he's faced and the reason this headline is particularly difficult is if you understand the background of how this man was even introduced to drugs. Um, It's a story I heard him tell, which was he was 14 years old. Um, He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He didn't do anything. But he was in the streets. And this guy who actually introduced him to rapping, DMX used to beatbox. The guy was actually um, a rapper. And so one day he told DMX to write a rap. And DMX wrote this crazy rap. And the guy knew. But I guess later on that week, they were all celebrating um, something. I guess they had like executed a successful robbery because DMX used to be a, a, a street robber. That's how he made his living. And the guy passed around a blunt, and DMX said, oh, well, let me just try it. And he smoked the blunt, and the guy had laced the blunt with uh, crack cocaine. And he Whoa. said in that moment, that feeling that he got after that, From that moment, he was addicted to the drug, you know? Wow. And it just just goes to show you, like, one, that, you know, you never know, like, what someone's story is and what someone's struggle is and the reason why they are where they're at. So those who are, 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 are looking at this situation and saying, oh, well, he shouldn't have smoked crack. It's like, you never know how he got introduced to the drug and we know how addictive these drugs are. Oh, yeah. Um, and despite that, that isn't the, the the way that you evaluate his contribution to society, his contribution to culture, and his contribution, most importantly to music. Every, every rapper is inspired by him. You saw the outpouring of support. We haven't lost him yet, but it does not look good, um, and we just got to continue to pray for DMX. 100%.
1: You know, talking about people struggling with their personal demons, the next headline I actually think is pretty fucking hilarious, if I do say so myself. Um, Paul Pierce, you know, the uh, <laughs> the truth went live on Instagram and with a bunch of strippers smoking a fat blunt and immediately got fired for doing that from ESPN. Um, I ran a poll on this on my social media to see just what you guys think. Uh, at Lasso Partha, and V's at Pilot Boy V, if you want to engage with us, uh, 79% of people believe he should not have been fired, and 21% believe he should. So that was interesting that the majority opinion, you know, in this in this world uh, of cancel culture, I thought more people would, would expect him to be fired, but it sounds like the general consensus is, homeboy played in the NBA for a long time, let him smoke weed and hang out with strippers, I don't care.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this this poll is probably going to be slanted by whether you're 40, 45 and under or 45 and above, I guess, because <laughs> you're in two different, uh, two different eras and two different ideas. But I think what's important and the important takeaway from this is, is that you do have to understand when you are an employee that there are certain codes of conduct and ethics that You are obligated to follow, whether you agree with them or not. When you sign up for a job with a a um, Disney-branded corporation, they are going to be very protective of their image. And so there's nothing illegal about what Paul Pierce did. Nothing particularly wrong, except for the fact that he looked kind of corny doing it. Like, why the hell do you need to broadcast that? <laughs> <laughs> to the world just to enjoy your strippers and your smoke session. you got um, but you know, I, I it's it's that balance of understanding this from that perspective. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with what he did, you know, like enjoy your life, however, and if you're however you choose to do it. But when you are employed by ESPN, You must follow those rules. But I will say this. I am grateful that he is no longer part of the ESPN broadcast because (laughs) he was terrible. Half the time, I thought he was high on air with some of his crazy takes (laughs) and nonstop LeBron hate. Like listening to a conversation between him and Jalen Rose is so excruciatingly painful for me, especially when you contrast (laughs) it with what you see on TNT. And so hopefully we see some changes here because ESPN clearly does not have their finger on the pulse of the NBA audience at all. Their show, they've tried so many different things, so many different cast members. They've had Bill Simmons on there, Mike Wilbon, you know, Paul Pierce, Tracy McGrady, they all suck. I hate to say it. They are great players, they are not good at understanding what resonates with the nba audience tnt and bleacher report are crushing them so maybe this is espn and abc's chance to figure out their 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 broadcast because honestly i'll tell you the truth when the game is on tnt i look more forward to watching inside the nba and the halftime show than the actual game if i'm tuned into an espn broadcast I turn the TV on mute and go fix myself a drink or something to eat when I'm tuned into ESPN. Yeah, me Just too. Just telling you the truth, ESPN.
1: Me too, man. That's that's like the best analysis of ESPN I've ever heard. I mean, they they're not good at what they do. I think that the future of of all of this is going to be like Omar from House of Highlights running the yes. broadcast like <laughs> and the kid um Kenny uh Kenny Fourth Quarter Kenny, the guy who does the YouTube uh, where yeah. he rearranges NBA league and plays the GM mode on two K Yeah, that guy has been doing a lot I think it's on TNT and ESPN but I could totally see like those types of personalities you know really being the future of commentating because you know the athletes are are entertaining to listen to from the standpoint of like the stories they tell but to your point like it's kind of exhausting to hear Paul Pierce try to die on this hill that he thinks he's better than LeBron like Just not even close. And
0: it's not even about you. That's not what your job is. That's not why you're there.
1: And how many times did LeBron beat his ass? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not it's not close. It's not even debatable.
0: It it undermines your own legacy. You have the nickname the truth for
1: a reason. You are
0: basketball fans respect you and you're losing your respect.
1: And no one would forget that. Remember when he called game when he played for the Wizards and banked that shit in? That was sick.
0: Yep yeah now I mean, that's
1: not my last memory of him. Now it's it, him it's, smoking a blunt with a bunch of strippers and
0: and taking terrible, getting paid a lot of money to say terrible things on ESPN. yeah, you know, so it's 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 hopefully a, a, a an opportunity for ESPN. and you know we've had this conversation many times about who you were and your ego getting in the way of of being a greater product. Like if you look at Bleacher Report and TNT, there's a lot to take away from how they are building their platforms and their understanding of the NBA culture. You can learn from them, you know, yeah. and you can improve. But when you sit here and say, Oh, we're ESPN we're the worldwide leader in sports, and you're not willing to look and say, Hey, our products aren't that good. This is the result.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Straight up, man. So, you know, moving through sports, uh, Baylor won last night against Gonzaga. That's a big win, man. And honestly, I wish I had watched this game, but I totally forgot it was happening, <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't I think, see a I minute think, of it. I think
0: a lot of people tuned out early in March Madness and and sadly missed a great final two games. Um, I saw the
1: Gonzaga that. game winner over the weekend. That yeah, was that crazy. was that was an
0: amazing game and probably the best played. College basketball game I've seen in quite a while that was that was real basketball in that game and in this particular case, it was really great to see Baylor win their first ever national championship. Um, it would have been nice to see Gonzaga as well, but my takeaway from this and one of the the gripes that I have with some of these coaches um, in sports is their their desire to jump from one place to another where they build they start building a culture at maybe a lesser known school and as opposed to staying at that school they get a bigger school approaches them and they jump ship and they find out that that other opportunity isn't quite what it what you had at the other place because at a smaller school you have more of an opportunity to build a new culture whereas with some of these historical institutions the culture is so deeply rooted, it's hard for you to go and make an impact despite the fact that they might have larger resources. And what I really loved about the Baylor and Gonzaga story for two different reasons, what Coach Drew has done at Baylor to know where they were at and how bad the program was and the type of trouble it was in, to stay there, build a culture and get to the mountaintop now where Baylor is one of the top basketball programs and the same thing with Mark Few at Gonzaga they were an every year Cinderella and now they are probably one of, right there with Duke and Kentucky as a basketball powerhouse so I think that that is the takeaway that you take the opportunity to build a culture if you really have confidence in yourself and your coaching ability you don't have to run to Duke or North Carolina or Ohio State or any of these programs you can do it at a place like Gonzaga or a place like Baylor and when you win you're going to be a hero
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, that's a great synopsis and honestly could be the lead into a movie if we were pitching it.
0: Let's 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 work on it, man. Let's (laughs) add that to like the list of 100 things we're thinking about working on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pilot Boy Films, hopefully at some point in the future. It's coming. soon. Oh, man. Uh, We could talk about we could talk about uh, Georgia real quick. This is an optional topic, but. Uh, you know V's had a couple runs on this news and notes so I, I kind of would go in on something um, Georgia's got this new voting law that caused it was the MLB right to move their yeah. all-star game yeah. away from that beautiful beautiful brave stadium in the in the battery which is an awesome area in Atlanta um, you know this basically makes it harder for people to vote and it comes after the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, won the governorship in a very contested election where yeah. he controlled the voting process. Yeah. He controlled the count. Homeboy definitely Crazy. rigged that election. Brian yeah. Kemp, dirty as fuck. Dirty, yeah. dirty, dirty guy. Yeah. So now he's he's passing this law, which is interesting because it's not during the contested, like when when Trump was getting kicked out of office, and he was like, yo, like recount those votes down in atlanta where if you guys were watching there was that water leak there was a water leak and a bunch of votes just kind of disappeared he was like yo recount that and georgia was like no we're not going to do it and that was when the republican party finally realized they could get rid of trump if they flipped on him right then so they did yeah. he got out and now they are you know back to their old ways so Uh, Just a moment to look at a dirty politician doing dirty things in the fucking middle of the world where everyone's watching and not caring about the consequences. If you live in Georgia, it's just like, I'm so glad I left. Like, California has its problems, too. But, man, like the level of corruption that you see, especially in the South, especially with white people with power in the South, it's disgusting. um
0: yeah, it's it's extremely disgusting to 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 see this, and I will I will say this too. What's more disgusting is the inability to to just recognize it for what it is, and how the rest of the party, this party line thing. It's like if you got a bad apple, fucking root that bad apple out and let him die on his sword, versus coming up with this reasoning that oh the Democrats are trying. No, this is a this is a shit law. It, anybody who knows what voting is supposed to be you're supposed to do everything in your power to uh, to make it as easy as possible for citizens to vote not make it as difficult as possible that's just common sense right so this shouldn't be a partisan a partisan issue it's like what the fuck are we what the fuck are we doing these days i mean yeah man that's why that's why i tune out of it's
1: goofy and yeah this is just one of those rules just to you know compound your point that you know when you pass it you know you're going to get re-elected because the people who would vote you out of office all of a sudden now can't vote Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works it's so funny it's
0: just it's crazy man
1: yeah um, so know you're in the system people and know that there's a game going on around you and just find the find the spots, you know, pick and choose your spots where you can, you can get some W's here. Like, don't, don't spend your energy getting mad about this stuff, but just see it for what it is and adapt to it.
0: You're a hundred percent. Right, man. Like that, that is the greatest lesson you can take away. And and in this country, self-reliance is very important. I understand it's, it can be frustrating at times, but when you're looking to people that are, have been corrupted and are corrupted and are looking out for themselves, um, You have to question whether or not that's a a useful use of your energy to invest in these people as much as we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to point the other side, the Democrats in Georgia are not much better. They're equally crooked just the other way. And (laughs) they they try to act. They try to take the moral high ground like the one respect I have for the Republicans. They never claim moral high ground because they know they don't have it. Yeah the Democrats, yes, the try Democrats to are just hustling people for votes that's yeah. what they do they know, yeah.
0: they know that they have and, and this is this is historical right yeah. it's even actually why the Democrats fought for the abolishment of Jim Crow it wasn't because they actually cared morally it's because they wanted these people to vote yep. so they would vote for them that's yep. why and so there is no moral high ground in either party them both
1: yeah straight up <laughs> It's to the advantage of these people to keep the system the same way it is. So yeah, you know, no matter who you vote for, it's not a vote for you.
0: Yep. It's 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 a pick for the the
1: yeah, you the just gotta choose evil. whose pocket you're gonna line. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on from this useless stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to
1: uh so this is cool. The Panthers and Jets had a huge trade for Sam Darnold, and I saw this post from Gary V yesterday with Sam. And uh, you know he's he's of of course Gary is like the biggest Jets fan but his post like first of all Sam seems like a fucking great guy and to see Gary post and say Sam you're like literally the best person I've ever met I love you I love your family like really really good luck that was it was cool to see that kind of you know those words being said about him because I I don't have a lot of familiarity. Uh, with Sam Darnold, I haven't watched his interviews or anything like that. But anytime somebody who is influential or, you know, has a position where they're one of society's, I'd say, like icons, right? Yeah. A quarterback in the NFL would qualify for that. Um, it's cool to know that those people are genuine, down to earth, good people who care about the, the little things, like the way we treat people, our values, our family, et cetera
0: yeah it's it's important and i think and it's valuable those those measure those are the immeasurable qualities um and then quite frankly the reason that he did not get it done on the football field and this happens to a lot of great players is you can't help who you get drafted to yeah you can't help how good or bad the organization is and for the last decade the jets have not qualified um uh, for the playoffs and that is the longest run of any nfl team um, in the league. So they actually did the kid a favor, trading him to a better organization with a better coach and a better offensive coordinator. The loser in all of this is likely Zach Wilson, who is the QB out of BYU, who is now going to have to go fill uh, Sam Darnold's shoes in New York Jets organization.
1: I'll tell you the winner in all of this is definitely the Vaynerchuk brothers oh. because the asset value of the Jets continues to plummet And their net worth continues to rise fast. Like homeboy's going to buy the Jets quick, man.
0: I don't know that Johnson and Johnson money is pretty long. I don't know if they'll ever be able (laughs) to to overcome that. But Hey, hey, they only
1: have to buy it for what it's worth, right? If that asset keeps losing money.
0: Maybe he gets tired and he's just like, you know what? I don't. I don't need to entertain people in my owner suite anymore. So, let's just let's just sell it to the Vayner. He's rest. like
1: this guy keeps showing up in front of my house and sending me <laughs> selfie videos on my phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's give him a shot. You That's know if he was really smart though. Yeah. What he would do is bring Gary and his brother in as minority owners. It would be a no-brainer. The, let them control the brand of the New York Jets. Yep give them roles within the organization, which they would relish. And you suddenly will own a property that is worth a lot more money in an organization that is much better. It just seems like common sense.
1: Some people are just allergic to success, man, their yeah. egos and personalities get in the way. Like there's so many of these obvious moves, you know, that can be made, whether it's a pro sports team or whether it's a league. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, um, in business with uh, a sports team owner in Texas and, I've watched him do the opposite, make all the smart tech investments, make all the yeah. smart brand investments, make do everything in an intelligent way, and when you see people that, you know, don't get in their own way, then you see people that do get in your own way. It's not like when you're rich you're all of a sudden a functional person. You know yeah. what I mean? Like those things are not really correlated. So <laughs> no. it's funny to see like some of these some people who have like pretty pretty large positions of power in society just like totally, you know, bad at their jobs.
0: Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate.
1: Unless there's a strategic reason to keep the asset value of the Jets low or you know, well there's
0: revenue sharing. I mean, at the end of the day the TV deals are shared. You're going to make money in the New York market. Look at the Knicks. They're the most valuable NBA team and they've sucked for since Patrick Ewing was around.
1: Yeah, there's just something, I don't know, man. At some point I'll buy an NBA franchise and I'll I'll win, you know? <laughs> like there's just a the pride that it's, that i feel like it's is not
0: there. it's not that complicated yeah it's not it really isn't be bad for a few years get a couple good picks make your market attractive to free agents make it a nice place to to play invest in your players look at and you'll have a decent team
1: yeah, build a great training facility in today's day and age, help the players monetize their brands, have staff there to help them launch e-com brands. You know what I mean? Have like a fund the players can put their money into to invest in startups like do the do the future shit.
0: And I, and I really do think, you know, I, I don't love um, saying this, but I think this is just a whole bunch of really, really entitled, old, rich white guys who don't want to change and think that they know everything even when they don't. And their money allows them to continue to be bad at their jobs.
1: You know, what's interesting is that, uh, sorry for the name drop, but I had I had dinner once with Roger Goodell and mm-hmm. I had asked him like a million questions. And dude was like the most cool, down to earth, fun guy I've spent time around. And I left that dinner like, wow, like I am so impressed with this guy, like very, very impressed.
0: I mean, at and the he, end of the day, that's his job, right? His yeah. job is to 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 be nice to the owners. That's his job. He is yeah. employed by the owners of the NFL,
1: and that that's the flip, <laughs> right? About yeah. Jerry Jones, I've heard you know quite the opposite. I've heard that he really likes his power. You know,
0: oh, he definitely enjoys it. Yeah, I, I got to hang out with him one night in Miami. A guy is a uh, is is a trip. I will say that.
1: Much. Man, everyone I know who's met him has enjoyed the the hangout for sure
0: oh it's fun
1: yeah it's fun. that's awesome that's uh, and that that's the other part of it right it's like despite the personality flaws you know people are still genuinely good people there's a lot of I mean, good and, people in the world
0: and if you look at jerry's players he's been better to his players yeah um, than most teams have been he i mean if you know all the shit that goes down yeah. in dallas with cowboy with the cowboys and how much how much he looks out for his players and how loyal of a guy he is. That's the flip of it. He's just not very good at being a GM. He's great at branding and marketing and, and understanding what the Cowboys name is worth, but he needs to hire a GM and let them make the team a winner. Yeah,
1: straight up. And I mean, dude, like for everything we joke about, about all these people, there's like 10 good things that we could be saying. too. So, you know, don't get a twisted audience. Like we genuinely like a lot of these people, but there's funny situations and, you know, they, they kind of warrant having some fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Especially when, you know, like both of us kind of have a sense and understanding of like, when you have these type of resources, you kind of have no excuse to be bad at your job. Yeah. So that's kind of why we poke fun of them. It's sometimes.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, I mean, the, the failings <laughs> of, you know, the human personality are, are bountiful. It's yeah. like such a such a wild wild journey we're all on.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: You know, on that you know kind of profound note, let's let's head into our break. Let's get a couple ads in. You know, let's let's talk about Lasso socks. Uh, you guys should check those out. Let's talk about the Patreon. You guys should check that out. Uh, that's what helps us keep going with the podcast. Um, side note, we also are in week I think two or three. of having Alex, our new producer on board, who has just been unbelievable. So, um, you know, shout out, Alex. Uh, We will jump into this commercial and we will be right back.
0: Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boy's podcast.
1: Hey, guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a Pilot Boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0 the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture wicking materials and built-in strike padding so every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media.
0: Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at UndoMedia.com.
1: All right, V, are you ready for the deep dive topic today?
0: Yeah, the news and notes were fun. I'm in a good mood today, man.
1: Yeah, me too, man. We should just carry this energy every week.
0: <laughs> Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Wow. So the reason V and I are in a good mood, I think, starts because we both chose the same color today to wear this like light blue vibe.
0: I know. It's not even not even on purpose. Sometimes you know.
1: inspiration hits.
0: The alignment, man. The alignment is real.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um So do you want to do you want to preface this? I mean, the call we had a call last week, essentially, where V and I, I think a lot of what we talk about is like how to be better at what we do, how to be more successful and essentially like how to get out of our own ways and allow ourselves to succeed. I think the prevailing belief is that if you remove yourself as a barrier to your life, success comes very easily.
0: Yes. Yes. I think you hit the nail on the head with that is. Most of the time we're in our own way. Um, we yeah. are our, our biggest obstacle. Um, and we we like to attribute attribute obstacles to the external world because they're easier to recognize and easier to deal with. Um, but the truth is most of the time we're in our own way. Um, and one of those things is this concept that you and I talked about, about working hard versus working smart. It's, yeah. it's a phrase that's said a lot. It's talked about a lot on social media. But there's like this belief system that you and I have grown up with that you're just supposed to work like a machine, work 18 hours a day, nonstop toward your goals. And that that is the key to success. But through experience, you and I both have learned that it actually is a very inefficient way to operate because of two reasons. One, it messes with your head because you're constantly feeling insecure. If you have a day that you can only work Four hours, you suddenly start getting anxiety and feel like I'm not working hard enough. Um, and then the second thing is that it's actually inefficient from a utility standpoint. There are several studies that say that working 10 hours straight or 12 hours and going on a bender like that, your productivity declines after 30 minutes, right? Yeah. So every half hour after that first 30 minutes, you're not operating it at, at optimal capacity. So with that said, I think the conversation was, how do you fix that? How do you fix and get out of your own head with this concept that we're fed that you've got to be working your ass off 80 hour work weeks to make it?
1: Yeah. I think the first thing to just say is that the people most guilty of this are the most insecure people who want to flex how long they're working so you know let's just let's just put that right there and uh, (laughs) i also want to say that i am so sick of people telling me oh man like there's not enough hours in the day there's plenty of hours in the day there's actually too many hours in the day for anything that we need to do right but to your point v like the sense that a person gets of like when they hit a diminishing return I think is a a pretty easy kind of intuition to tap into. I think it's like fairly obvious to most people when they've done what they need to do and it's time to move on. But I think the discrepancy happens when the results don't match what they're expecting for the work that they put in because we all want results so quickly. And I think there's kind of two elements to like, this. There's one is like the work you put in and like how you manage that and like the societal pressures of like actually quantifying your work and how we actually look at success and all of that. And the other side of it is how we measure results and how we set our expectations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, starting on that side, I just want to make the point that, yeah, in general, we all set our expectations too high in terms of what we expect out of ourselves, out of others, out of any work we do, out of the pace of growth for anything that we're working on. Yeah, It's, we all have this desire when we're younger to, you know, everyone, especially today, it's like, I want to be a billionaire. Yeah. It's like, okay, but like, that's a byproduct, yeah. right? <laughs> that, that's not a goal. <laughs> yeah, Like that, it, it, I want a gold medal. Cool. Against who? You know, what race do you want to run, right? Like it's completely, completely the wrong goal to focus on. And so as a society we set expectations like that we look at different like people who you know may appear that they're making a lot of money and we say man i'm not making that that much money like how do i how do i do this thing and so i think the first part of this this whole breakdown and how we reason from like getting from a to b whether it's with work or success or whatever is that we need to set realistic expectations out of ourselves and I think lower expectations are better because then you exceed them and you're happy.
0: Yes, exactly. And then also pace yourself. Like you do not, even if you are going to work eight hours a day, you know, what, what do you and I always talk about? We'll work really hard for 30 minutes. We'll take a break. We might, you know, get on Instagram or, or TikTok or, or take some sort of mental break in that 30 minute phase, it might be five minutes. It might be an hour. Just don't put that pressure on yours. Eliminate that pressure aspect of if I'm not working, I'm not being productive. Yeah. Sometimes that time that you're spending away from work is actually leading you to be more productive at work. Um, and that's, that's part of having an entrepreneurial mindset and spirit is truly coming to grips and understanding, understanding that if you are not, in a good place mentally, you are not going to be useful to your business. And I yep. think that's the key. 30 minutes of hard work, take a break, work 30 minutes. You could do it throughout the day. If you have a lot of work to get done, do it for a 12-hour period, right? But that idea that, oh, I need to go lock myself in my office and work 24 hours is 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 stupid and doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah. So just to just to break down the difference as well between like there's active focused work, right? And there's the time you spend doing yeah. other shit that adds value to the active work you put in. So yeah. when you look at studies on that's that concept is subconscious processing. It's something that personally I figured out during college because I realized that when I was studying for finals week, I got more value out of shooting basketballs at the gym for two hours in the middle of the day than I did looking at the book, you know, for those hours. So I would study three to four hours in the morning. I would play basketball for a few hours, you know, eat some food, like walk around, do my shit and then spend another four hours at night. And, you know, the results showed. And the reason is that when you're not focused on something, the speed at which you process information increases drastically. So I'm looking at a study right here And uh, there's a few analogies in here. So basically, the conscious mind uh, processes 2,000 bits of information per second. And the impulses in your brain, when it processes this, travel at 100 miles per hour, which is really fast, by the way. The subconscious mind does 400 billion bits per second. And the impulses travel at 100,000 miles per hour. So we are literally talking about a thousand X improvement on the speed of those impulses. Plus the quantity is uh, a 2 million, 200 million X improvement, something like that. Wow. 20 million. I don't know, but some so, uh, math is not some happening right now.
0: Exponential it's huge. Yeah, so
1: it's- the, the difference between allowing like, There are times where you have to uptake information, right? And so like the conscious processing that we do, which is like when we make decisions, like that's a very energy draining task. There are studies show that you can only make five good decisions per day. So decision fatigue is a big deal. And that's, again, for the same reason, because you run out of this conscious brain power and energy that you use for that. So that's one thing. And the conscious brain power is what I would attribute to the part of the brain. There's intelligence and then there's intellect. Intellect is like a knife, like it cuts through and rips apart information to figure out how stuff works. That is a very exhausting way to think. Then there's intelligence, which is like the body's ability to just process huge amounts of information and intuitively understand what it should be doing. That's an evolutionary trait. That to me, is like the great power of being a human being is that you can walk in a room, go back in there with your eyes closed and know where everything is. If you really are able to tap down deep into your subconscious, understand your memory and understand how your body and your brain works. And when you're learning something actively, you're using your conscious mind. That's an exhausting process. But when you start doing something different, that subconscious mind takes over and takes the information essentially from your short-term memory into your long-term. It extends it into your understanding of the subject as well. And so those breaks that you take during the day are critical because yes. they help you actually understand the information you're taking in. And that way you actually you know create deep learning. So the byproduct is In your actions, if you slow down the pace at which you're trying to move every day, you end up actually stacking a lot more. Whereas if you're trying to put all your time, effort, energy into using your brain and your intellect, not your intelligence all the time, you end up not really remembering most of the stuff you did and you're freaking exhausted at the end of every single day. You overwork and you have very little to show for it. And, you know, to be frank, like that's why I don't have a lot of respect for consultants from Deloitte or McKinsey or any of those folks because they don't actually do anything. They don't actually learn anything. They just spend all of their day working using that conscious mind, essentially doing rote work, not actually yeah. understanding or developing beliefs or ways of looking at the world that, you know, connect to them in a deeper way. And um, the, the difference between the two is so drastic that if in your head you're thinking right now, how do I know the difference between the two? You've never felt the subconscious processing. And so if if that's you and it was me one day and it was V one day, the best thing I can tell you is try reading something for 30 minutes for an hour, whatever. Try working on something for a while and then go do something completely unrelated that you like to do for like 30 minutes and then come back to it. And the difference in how you feel at the end of a day, kind of breaking things apart and doing that cycle will change the way your body feels when it learns information and you'll notice it.
0: Yeah, you will. And the other thing that will happen is you'll have a lot more mental peace as well, because it's, it's a very stressful way to live, to constantly think, even develop that mindset that you got to always work harder. I've got to put more in. I've got to put more in. I've got to put more in versus looking at and say, what else, um, What else can I do to improve my overall efficiency, adding, adding different, different tasks, right? Like I know one thing you and I talk about is we spend a lot of time on the phone, on phone calls. Those phone calls can actually be breaks. Even though you are being productive, incorporating those phone calls into your workday in an efficient manner actually is another way to kind of hack, hack it. It's a break that's not a break, right? Yeah. Um, there, there are several different things, things that you can do, but it's just, you know, the goal for us is to, to help people improve, not just their efficiency, but their happiness. Yep. And if you're not truly happy with your work and I've seen examples and you've seen this Partha, it's like people who really even enjoy their work getting worn down and worn out because of the way that they approach the work that they're doing. And that's often why so many entrepreneurs fail. They've got great ideas, a great belief system, but how they process the work that's involved to get to their goal breaks them down and destroys them in the process.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to be frank, that I spent like probably six, seven years of my entrepreneurial journey doing that, like breaking myself down, you know, not on purpose. Like I was so fixated on trying to create results and in too short of a time period that. I I wasn't getting things forward. I wasn't actually learning and picking up information in the in the way I needed to. And it wasn't until I hit a point where I said, "You know what? Like I can't even set goals anymore. I just have to take steps forward every day and just see where that gets me." It was like at that point results actually started coming. But I know for everyone like you you do kind of have to hit a wall that that makes you have to challenge the way you're approaching life, especially if you approach it in ways that create fatigue for yourself, you know. Yeah. Life 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 in general can be restful. It can be very, very calm and peaceful, despite the fact that you could be building a huge business, managing hundreds of employees. There's so much that you could be doing every day, but none of it is really stressful if you frame your mind differently when you look at those tasks and i think a lot of that has to do with expectation setting and you know what you expect out of yourself every day in terms of your role like many people inflate their importance to the world or to a business as well and so i know a lot of founders that overwork cuz they're like well if i don't do it no one'll do it and it's like yeah. yeah but if you don't you know if you don't have a sane mind then your business is going to completely fall apart also
0: one hundred percent agree, and I think part of that process, you know, you were able to get through it in in eight years. I'm getting through it now. You know, year fi- year fifteen. You know what I mean? And the the thing is that we all understand that when you're born and you're raised, how you were raised, what system you're raised in, what education system you grow up in, how you're exactly how you're taught, what university you choose if you go to go to college. All of those decisions also create um, create systems in which you never really question if this system is right for me. You adapt to those systems to succeed within those systems, right? And oftentimes you might be successful from a, you know, going up the ladder standpoint or getting good grades but your soul and your spirit is being broken down because that's not true to your nature and how you learn and what your expectations on yourself are for success. And I think that that is a process we all need to go through because that's unfortunately the way that the system of employee culture and academic culture is set up for us. If you want to achieve, what do you have to do? Either you get a really good job and climb the ladder or you go to school and you get a couple of degrees and you follow that mold. But again, you're fitting into a structure in which you're never really asked to question whether or not that structure is for you or not. And I think experience is the only way, your own personal journey and experience and getting to that point of almost rock bottom where you're realizing like, damn, I've, a, ac- am accomplishing things, but I'm not fucking happy. <laughs> like what yeah. the fuck is the purpose of accomplishing these things? If I'm not happy.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: And even if the external world is validating
1: straight up and, you know, just to present the counterpoint too, in no way, does this mean that you should stop working or stop yeah. doing things that you're doing right. In no way, does this mean that without, you have to have a clear intention. Without a clear focused goal, your brain will not subconsciously process in a direction. So, you actually have to be trying to learn something for your brain to do this. It's not yeah. like you just get smarter aimlessly. Like, no, you don't. Know, you have to have a north star you're driving toward, problems you're trying to solve, and the rest of your day where you're doing the active work should be positioning things around you to, you know, help you get to the next roadblock or the next challenge that your brain can be useful in solving. But that's the conscious part of it. It's the navigation. And then the unconscious part of it is getting you past the roadblock, like stressing about the roadblock does nothing. Fearing the roadblock does nothing. Avoiding the roadblock will bring you to a different type of roadblock. And still, you have to go through it. So it's, it's just a manner of approaching life that feeds back into improving mental health physical health you know quality of life uh when you're able to better use your body and really like the human intelligence that you have as opposed to just like what you train in school like that sharp knife that can cut things apart
0: yeah it's critical man i mean and and it's a journey, and I think yeah. the other part of it, and I think you hit a home a great point, is the hubris that comes into play that we all have, that somehow we know what's best. You know, as 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 our guest Jay Prince said, only a fool rejects wisdom. We say this oftentimes because a lot, if you are seeking knowledge, there are a lot of people who I know who read a lot of books, who 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 absorb a lot of stuff. But they're not approaching it the right way. They're not approaching it with the humility of saying, there's something that I can learn, that I can constantly improve, that that these, these books, the purpose for them is for me to take knowledge away, not to just reinforce my own opinions or my own thoughts through what I'm reading. And, and that takes, that's a process too, right? Like that we all kind of have to go through.
1: Yeah, man, I, I totally agree. And I think that hubris side of it is what we all probably struggle with the most because, you know, I mean, is it's not easy. It's not easy to, to take that moment to say, you know what, I might be wrong. I might not know what I'm doing. I might not know everything. And so as a result, you have to ask for help. But the trick is that the people who are the most successful don't worry about whether they're respected or not respected. They don't really care what you think at all they're very secure in what they bring to the table and they also know that the tools that they've brought are fucking good tools so when they ask for other people's input they're only looking to hone in their own skill set and get better and at the same time you know bring ideas to the table that they might may not have because they understand that it doesn't matter who originates an idea but that collectively you can get from a to b faster when you know nobody cares who who's involved in the process
0: so the the how right like how do you actually do this and someone uh, you you actually put me on to Naval Ravikant um, has a has a good way that I think of of evaluating how to work right like and what what has value versus what doesn't have value and he placed a value on what his hourly what he thinks he's worth hourly right mm. and he said that he placed a value on himself of five thousand dollars an hour. And this was before he even like is where he's at now, where that value is true. But he was also very honest with himself in evaluating that number, right? And he said that I'm fair, a fairly lazy person, but I know that when I work, when I actually sit down and I use my mind, that I work more efficiently and I work harder than most people. And so put it placing that value on himself then allowed himself to eliminate work for himself that didn't have value, like some menial tasks, like helping his mom. He said he hired an assistant for her before he could even afford to do so because he knew that 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 was work that Mm. wasn't an efficient use of his time, right? And I thought that that was very powerful, um, a powerful way to approach life. First, develop your skill set. Understand yourself, right? then understand what your value is. And it should be, it should be an ambitious number. It shouldn't be a root. Like you shouldn't think too hard on this and saying, well, if I calculate this and I I'm worth $333 an hour. No, let it be a a higher number than is actual. And then frame the rest of your day and how you work around that number. Yeah. Pretty powerful.
1: That's amazing. That's such an amazing way to go about it, V. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that the that approach, you know, even if you set that price too high, what it challenges you to do is solve problems without manually solving them. It challenges you to solve them systematically and leveraging mm-hmm. you know, people, resources, connections in a more meaningful way. And that is what gets you to the value is when you yeah. learn the game of chess as opposed to being a pawn.
0: Yes. Yes. So um, hopefully that was a that was a good good summary of working hard versus working smart. I feel like we worked uh, worked our way through this pretty smartly, Partha. Uh, <laughs> uh, we don't want to bug you guys down too long, but hopefully takes take some some notes from this um, and improves your efficiency as you approach your days and as you approach your business, you approach your job, you approach whatever it is you're doing. Um, that is the goal of, of these deep dive topics to improve everyone's efficiency. And and Partha and I speak these things through because we're still working through them ourselves. We haven't, we haven't reached our, our goals in terms of work efficiency yet, but having these conversations is a reminder of how to frame how you work.
1: Yep, exactly. And for, Everybody listening, you know, thank you so much for being a part of Pilot Boys. We're posting a lot more on social media now. So check us out at Pilot Boys on Instagram at Pilot Boys Podcast um, at Pilot Boy V. Ah, Pilot Boy V and at Lasso Partha on Instagram. V's on Twitter at Pilot Boy V as well. And we're on TikTok at uh, mine's actually I think it's talk with Partha.
0: Mine is Pilot Boy V, and Pilot Boys Podcast TikTok is coming soon. Alex is working on that one.
1: Man. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And as always, remember uh, be you, you is fly, and stay moving.
0: Pilot Boys out.
1: Pilot Boys, we get was